and one of those people would be Matidia Ture. That would be a very familiar name to many of you. She has a piece showing at Blue Oyster Art Project Space at the moment. It's called Whakanifa, um, and that is part of the Wa Omua exhibit that has been extended by a week. You can still visit. You can visit all of next week. Um, I think it ends next Saturday. I believe it ends next Saturday. Um, so I spoke to Matidia at the actual gallery. We sat across the table from one another. Um, quite was quite nervous, <laughs> if I'm honest. Uh, pretty nerve-wracking interview. But um, we sat across the table from one another and her piece of art uh, lay in between us. Um, it's a taniko weaving. It's a beautiful white weaving. As you'll hear her, she kind of describes it within the interview. Um, and the interview was recorded on your old handheld Marantz recorder, like a real field journalist. I felt like I was really in the field that day. Um, but the uh, microphone is directional, so if at any time you can't really hear what's going on or it picks up wee noises, she kept um, picking lint off of the actual piece. She kept getting distracted, um, and she said that you know, if she kept coming in all the time, she'd constantly be picking all the lint and all the dust off of the piece. Um, so, you know, it's <laughs> nothing edited out. That's all part of the interview. Um, it's a wee bit echoey as well because it took place in that gallery space. But I hope you enjoy. This was quite an important interview for me personally. Um, and what better way to celebrate a woman's suffrage for 125 years um, than speak about the whakapapa of Māori woman MPs and Māori woman in New Zealand Parliament. So here we have Matidia Ture. Please enjoy. So I'm joined at Blue Oyster Art Project Space today with the lovely Matidia Ture. Her work is currently showing in Waumua, which is showing until the 29th of September. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Kia ora. So, I mean, many people know you from your two decades in law and politics. What has triggered this change over to the art world? <laughs> and what are you studying at um, the Dean School of Art? Sure. So, I, well, before I went into politics, I've been doing a lot of creative work, um, performance art um, with a group called the Random Trollops in the 90s and just other making things a lot. And then when... You know, when law and politics is happening, it's very time-consuming and it's very hard to spend time on creative pursuits. So it's really nice to have this chance to go back to that. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing a graduate diploma in textiles at the Neen School of Art, oh, which has been enormous amounts of fun. Yeah. yeah. And why did you choose textiles in particular? Uh, I've been making costumes for many years, wow. and so um, and you know knitting, crocheting, and cross stitch, and all of those things. So mm. it seemed like a good chance to see if I could turn it from you know making babies' booties and hats, which are very useful, to making <laughs> especially art. down here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to making art and seeing if that was actually a thing that I could do. And your work in Blue Oyster at the moment has a tiny core pattern. Um, where has that inspiration come from? So I've been doing tiny core now too for about. Uh, how old am I? <laughs> um, about 25 years, um, off and on. Wow. Um, and so, uh, this was a chance. This this was a chance to um, use tanikal in a in a text, really, in a fabric text. So, um, uh, um, Grace and Maya gave me a photograph mm. of Fiti Tirukatni Sullivan when she was here in Dunedin, and she's wearing this beautiful dress that she designed because she was a dress designer and she was famous for that as a politician. She's wearing this very beautiful dress that has technical patterns on it. 
And so this was a response, my piece is a response to that, both to her dress and the patterns on it, but also to her position as a Māori woman in New Zealand politics. Mm-hmm. Um, my piece is called uh, Whakanefa, which means um, to be at the kind of spearhead, um, to be resilient and brave. And it shows it shows a story of all of the 30 women, Māori women, who mm-hmm. became MPs between the time that we were allowed to stand for election and 2017 election. Right. Um, and it also shows them in time, because one of the important parts, or one of the stories mm-hmm. that this tells, is how long it took for Māori women to be elected, right. um, and then for large numbers of them, reasonably large numbers of them, to be elected. Um, so, so that's what it does. It, Inside it as well are other stories, so um, stories about MMP and the effect that that has had on Māori women's representation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's stories in there too about you know, a number of women who were elected for the first time on their own or with just one other, so mm-hmm. you know, there still was not huge numbers of people. Um, so you know, as, a, as a textile text, it tells it has lots of different little stories in it if you know how to read it. Is it like a a whakapapa of Māori women MPs? I call it a a tainical whakapapa Mm. of Māori women MPs um, because it shows them they're all represented there in time Um, and then for each of them they'll have their own stories so um, you know Iriakaratana was the first Māori woman to be elected, but it was about 50, about 40 years, I think, after the um, she Māori woman first had the right to stand, which was still another decade or so after they got the right to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's 18 years between her and Fetu, and then there's another 27 years between Fetu mm-hmm. and Sandra. So, you know, for the third Māori woman to be elected to Parliament it was a very, very long time, mm. um, and that's. I've tried to show that in this piece, so that the time scale and the lack of representation is shown there as much as the representation is. Yeah, which um, textiles have you used in this piece, and have you been working under any mentors? Um, my mother taught me Tanipo, mm. and so she, um, and she has helped me with this piece because it's really complicated to work. <laughs> as any readers who see it will know, um, and um, so you know, and there's there's other um, there's lots and lots of weavers that um, have been amazing over time, and like I say, this was a particularly complicated piece. So it's all cotton. Mm. Um, I'm particularly fond of using. Uh, modern materials in Maori forms right, at the yeah. moment. Um, so yeah, so it's all in cotton and it's mostly white mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. <laughs> 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 Except for the coloured the coloured um, weavings, the coloured tanico which shows um, all the people and the time at which they were first elected. And how do you feel the message that you're trying to communicate changes when you bring the traditional art into a contemporary art space? Um, uh, Whakapapa goes goes forwards and it goes backwards, Um, so this shows a lineage backwards in time um, and how each of these women have, um, you know, who they've followed and, you know, they'll have their own stories about how they 
how those women who preceded them inspired or supported them to be there. Um, but Whakapapa also goes forward, and so putting traditional works or traditional styles of works in contemporary galleries, I think, is really important. There's no, these are the art form is not a snapshot in time. The art form is a persistent one, um, and there's some, been some. Actually, just today, <laughs> did, was I was looking at a reading talking about contemporary jewellery and the and women mostly who are using traditional jewellery forms and traditional materials and making contemporary jewellery work because actually it's the making of it in the time that they're in um, and it's finding new ways of showing traditional techniques and forms in modern stories. And this is a modern story about the suffrage 125 mm -hmm. and what that actually looks like for Māori women. Um, it's not the good news story that other suffrage stories might be told and by showing it in a traditional Māori form of weaving it makes that point stronger. Has this work used any reference from the Hocken archives as well? well yes, so that was the photograph. Mm, it was okay. the photograph of Fetutu Kartner Sullivan as part of that right. Hocken collection. Right. Um, and you know I've woven her um, based on the tiny core of her dress in that photograph. Mm. Um, and in gold because she was also terribly flash. <laughs> um, and I've woven her and uh, Iriaka. Iriaka, you can see if you know, you can see that there's the colours from the Ratana movement are there, and there's the Morihu um, are all represented there as well. And I've woven them in uh, the largest bands because those two women really were speakers. The first Māori woman elected and the first Māori woman cabinet minister. Mm. And how does using an artistic platform to communicate these messages differ to using a political platform? Well, it gives people a chance to reflect on the stories. I mean, as a, as a, it's, it's a text in textiles, and like any text, it's going to require um, a key to the language in order to be able to understand the stories mm -hmm. embedded in it. And I think for people who understand weaving, Tentacle weaving, they'll be able to see these stories really clearly and be able to read this really clearly. For others, it will raise lots of questions. Yeah. Those questions are really good. Um, but they now doing this in art rather than as a like as a creative communication mm. rather than a political communication yeah. gives people time to think about it and reflect on it in a different way. Right. Um, it's just it, potentially more potent. Are you working on any other projects at the moment? So I'm doing, working on a, um, uh, my final uh, project for the site exhibition um, at the Dunedin um, School of Art oh, in November. Awesome. Um, and that project is based on um, a kind of developing theory about Austronesians, oh. um, which is a kind of Pacific vision of Afrofuturism, which is really, really, really interesting cool. theoretical discussion about or theoretical and creative discussion about the agency of black people, the black diaspora. Mm. Um, and in New Zealand, we can use that same theoretical basis in um, art in the creative field to talk again about the colonisation and decolonisation process and what that looks like well into the future. Mm. Um, often there's an assumption that Māori art, or art by Māori artists, um, is always about what happened in the past. It's, right, you know, it's yeah. very... Um, historically focused, but actually we'll only create 
uh, a decolonised future mm. by imagining what it is first and then talking about what that looks like. Mm. And there's really, um, really no better way than the creative expression, whether it's in writing or in music or in visual arts, to be able to to express that kind of um, imagining. Mm. So my work for art school is based right. on that. Yeah. How do you see the agency of, of Māori creative communication evolving and transforming into the future? Well, it's, con- it's, it's continually doing that. So mm. I've been looking at Lisa Rehana's work. Mm. The, uh, yeah. Wonderful, yeah. Yeah, the Institute of Venus, the digital yeah. Māori work, and um, trying to unpick the, uh, how she is doing that by transforming stories um, from the past into new into new versions. Um, Nahuya Te Awe Kōtuku has done the same thing in writing, mm-hmm. in rewriting the Māori Mist some years ago, Ruruahini. Um, and so then there's uh, other Māori women I know in particular who are writing sci-fi about wow. New Zealand and the Pacific. So there's, yeah. just, there's a real um, movement at the moment of looking to the future, that it's not just about the past. It's taking the lessons of the past, mm. taking our stories of survival from the past, and then turning them into the strategies that we would use to create a future, you know, 50 years, 100 mm. years for us, where we're Māori, the Pacific, um, where we exist, where we are in control, we have agency and self-determination mm. in all sorts of creative and exciting ways beyond the kind of politics of the day. Yeah. And how do you think that works such as these that we see in this exhibit in Blue Oyster make a difference to Aotearoa? Oh, the, we can get nowhere if we don't tell the stories and continue to reflect on on our past, but tell the stories for um, for our kids and for their kids. Mm-hmm. And that's what this, or I think this um, this show is doing mm-hmm. um, in different ways, and we've all interpreted it in different forms. Um, I'm interested that so much of it is cloth based and yeah, um, yeah it's, it's really textile yeah. based, which is really yeah. interesting. Which is, I think, just as part of both uh, reflection in the past about women in the domestic environment but mm-hmm. also how we just keep transforming those domestic, those what, uh, traditional domestic skills and ideas around domesticity into the future. Um, and it's, it's for the conversation, to keep having the conversation about what our um, status is in Aotearoa now. It's great mm-hmm. to celebrate the gains we've made but we have to be real about the things that haven't worked so well, mm-hmm. who's missing out mm-hmm. and why, and make sure that we keep on focused on fixing that. Yeah, whose voices we aren't hearing That's and right. whose voices we are. Um, do you think that any of the events that happened before the election last year will affect the public's view of the work that you end up creating? I have no comment about that. Okay, that's fine. Um, and where are you hoping to take your artistic career further on? <laughs> Just picking, picking a wee bit of, <laughs> bit of fluff off it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I haven't come in to see it very often because I don't, I'll just do that continually. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have no idea. The, um, I am really enjoying uh, the time I have to be creative. There's, um, it takes a lot of thinking and much more time than people realise. Uh, whatever the results, whether people yeah. like the results or not, it's a, it, is a, um, it is an intense experience to be involved in creative work like this. So. I'd like to do more of it, but who knows. What does it serve on a personal level? What does your artistic practice serve for you? Uh, it's another way of communicating. So whether I've been in law or politics or whatever mm. I've done, it's always been about communication. I've done political communication, I've been involved in marketing and politics, all of those things. <laughs> yeah. And this is just another way to communicate ideas, but 
possibly um, some kinds of ideas in a much deeper way, some mm. potentially even more challenging to others than even politics it might be. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's more intensely personal actually. Mm-hmm. It's quite scary having a piece in an exhibition. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. scarier than a speech. Yeah, would this be one of the first times where you've really had to kind of draw back and think about um, maybe your own personal experiences or emotions more than um, more than the kind of altruistic, you know, the benefits of of the public yeah, or whoever yeah. else you're yes, serving. Yes, because yeah. it's kind of um, yeah, no, absolutely, it's like that. I it's uh, political work is primarily service. Mm. You are in service to to your community, one way or another, and everything you do is in service to them. Mm-hmm. This this is um, almost the opposite of being in service to yourself, because you have to go you have to go inwards in order to be able to make the creation. But you are making it available for anybody to consume. Yeah, you know? and so. Um, and you have to open yourself up to all of the criticism that might come from that, and that's yeah. just. But that's also part of the experience because it's a communication, and you need to be able to communicate those ideas to others, and they will take it, they will like it or not like it, and they will understand it or not understand it, and you can't control that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what changes are you hoping to see for young emerging Maori artists, whether woman, woman or, or male? And what advice would you give to them? Oh, I haven't got any advice. No advice. That's okay. <laughs> got a lifetime of experience <laughs> elsewhere so I think, I think one of the things I probably find frustrating is is the assumption that we uh, what that everything we're likely to do or think comes out of um, a kind of old view of a spiritual connection to the land or mm-hmm. you know these kind of old assumptions made about um, uh, Maori's motivations, mm-hmm. if you like, yeah. and um, and I don't, and we can often feel bound by that, um, that we kind of have to express ourselves according to those assumptions about our motivations. That, mm-hmm. and so, and we mustn't. I mean, the whole point about the creative expression is that there really is no boundary, mm. and so for Maori artists to be able to be free from those assumptions, I think, is really important. And so, if people are, you know, feel constrained by it, just Say no and <laughs> do, do what you want. <laughs> That's my advice. Say, or say yes and do what you want. <laughs> say what you want, do what you want. Are you planning on producing any pieces in the future that might act as, as activism pieces? Oh, um, I did a really, uh, for Urban Dream Brokerage mm. um, late last year, I did a um, activist handbag and crocheted a whole lot of. Uh, tools that one might have, an activist might have in their activist handbag. That was really fun. Yeah. That was fun to do. So, you know, now and then, yes, but I think um, this is, uh, and just my, my work for Sight does have a political core to it because it's about self-determination and agency of Māori to create our own futures mm-hmm. without any boundaries or constraints. Um, but I don't want to use my creative um, work for political lecturing. It's right. really, it's really right. important yeah. to me that it's not that it's not that, and that, that it would be easy for people to feel that I ought to do that, or I'm likely to because mm. of my background. But 
you know, people can do all sorts of different kinds of things in their yeah. lives. And this is a this is a time for me to, to find a different way to communicate some of my ideas about those things in new forms. Mm. Do you feel less pressure when you're communicating in an artistic oh, I way? Know. I possibly feel lots more because it's a world I this is a world I don't I don't know well yet, and I don't really know how it works. Mm. And and like I say, these things are um, are far more personal. In some, in many ways, than just than um, a speech that you might write. Um, yeah, don't know. Are you considering the location that these pieces are made in as well? Is that something that you keep in the back of your mind when you're Can making your work? Um, does this work? And I'm sorry if you touched on this before. Does it touch on um, the Dunedin area? No, not no. It's not located in in a place. Um, it's located in time. Just in time. Yeah, yeah. just in time. Yeah. Um, is that geographical location? Is is that part of the work ever going to be something that comes yeah. up? Do you Probably think? Probably not. Probably not. No. Because that's quite an interesting one. Because usually that is is quite important yes. to whoever creates the work. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it hasn't been so far. Um, no, I don't think so. It's not in this work. It wasn't in the work of different dream brokerage, and it's not going to be in the next one either. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not from here. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not um, I'm Kahunuru and Atiho. Um So I'm a little bit displaced anyway. Mm. So maybe that might be why. But um, yeah, I'm more. Probably more people focused than location focused. <laughs> <laughs> Except that my next thing is all about space and space travel, so you know, maybe, that's so maybe cool. located in that's space. So exciting. <laughs> maybe that's where I am. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, it's such a beautiful piece of work Thank and um, so wonderful to see you in an art gallery space. Thanks. Do you think that um, your your experience outside of the art work art world gives you a unique perspective if, um, when approaching these works. I, I have a, I don't, I have a different perspective in terms of probably mm. in terms of um, political context, yeah. perhaps yeah. in which some of this work's happening. I mean, um, you know, suffrage one two five is a inherently political. Um, um, subject matter to be mm-hmm. dealing with. Um, yeah. So I might have a different perspective about that. But no, I consider myself to be learning this from scratch. Right. Um, which is actually, which is really fantastic. Uh, learning new things is fantastic and being prepared to make yourself, when you've been an expert in one area, mm. to be a, a rank amateur in another is actually it's really liberating. Right. <laughs> Liberating, yeah. You know, you don't ha- you don't have to know all the answers, and you you've got every right to go and ask people, and nobody thinks you're dumb. So, <laughs> so it's, yeah, there's a real freedom in it. Who are you working alongside in the um, art school? Art school. Yeah. Um, my supervisor is Victoria Bell, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm in the jewelry and textiles. So yeah. Johanna Zelma and um, Andrew Last and um, others 
the other grad dip students there in awesome. third years. Yeah, it's really it's a wonderful crew of people to be working with. Is there anyone in that cohort that we should be looking out for in the future or that oh, you're very excited them. about? I was gonna All of them. Yeah, you should come down and just start talking to people. Yeah, but, um, that'd be awesome. What they're doing for site, because the whole site exhibition is starting to ramp up. Mm. Um, When's that opening? Uh, November 23rd. Cool. So from our, the maker's point of view, mm-hmm. it's like practically tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's on everybody's minds, but it's, it's a significant exhibition of, and it's for those of us in the third year, effectively, it's our mm. final exam. So, Oh, I know. Having an exam. I know. <laughs> <laughs> thought you left it in the past, but yeah, it's know, still got exams. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for joining me today at Blue Oyster Art Project Space, Matilda well, today. Fantastic. fantastic. Thank, thank you. you. An absolute pleasure to speak to Matilda a couple of weeks ago. And a big thank you to Blue Oyster Art Project Space who let me sit in their beautiful, beautiful space that they have. Lovely white area with the light streaming through the glass windows. Um, some lovely photos taken as well by Rory Sweeney. The transcript of that interview will be published in Critic Magazine in the final issue for this year. Uh, so that's very exciting and just another big thank you to Blue Oyster and I know um, many of those artists who are showing in Waomua at the moment um, they're gathered at Blue Oyster today I know they gathered there at 11 in the morning they might still be there I'm not too sure um, but a huge thank you for letting me use your space um, to speak to Matidia I wanted to speak with her with the work beside us um, so that we could kind of <laughs> reflect in real time <laughs> for the interview um, and some beautiful visuals as well to go along with the article that will be produced if you would like to um, read that.